before Christmas. I hope everyone is doing well. Um, I see some great comments in the chat already and I will come over to that in a moment. But before we do, I just want to give a bit of an introduction about our guest. Um, you know, psychic medium, uh, a number of TV shows including uh, The Hostel Files, Dead Files, um, appearances in Portals to Hell, um, done a lot um, in the paranormal field and we're really lucky um, that we've been able to um, have her on the show. We're really excited to welcome Cindy Kayser, um to the show. So if everyone can give a warm welcome to Cindy, I'm going to bring her on now. Hi, Cindy. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Again, thank you so much um, for joining us uh, tonight. Thanks for having um, me. It's, um, we've been really excited to end the year with yourself. Um, lots to talk about. Um, you know, coming to the end of the year and then going into next year. I know you've got a lot going on already. Um, loads of comments in the post um, in there already. I'll just show a few. Hey, Abby, hope you're doing well. Um, hey, everyone. I'm sorry if I don't get to everyone's comments. Uh, and there's loads of you in there, but thank you so much um, for joining us tonight. If you do have any comments, um, questions for Cindy, please put them in the chat and I will try my best to um, highlight them. But I'm going to kick this off for you, Cindy. You've been doing this for quite a while now. Um, but where was your, where did your journey start? Like, when did you realize that you had psychic abilities? Yeah, you know, I guess I could say the first time I actually understood that I have psychic abilities was when I was like in my 20s, honestly. But the first experience that I can remember having was when I was really young. I was 10. So there was a girl in my elementary school who passed away in a car accident. And after she died, I saw her in the middle of the night, a full body apparition. Um, and it was really, really scary, but I didn't know what mediumship was at age 10. I grew up in a Catholic family. We didn't talk about that sort of a thing. Um, and But as, a, as a, a child and a teenager, and obviously still today, uh, I was very sensitive. I knew things about people I should, shouldn't have known. Uh, I saw things that were going to happen before they did, but I still didn't have the language for that. I didn't know what it all meant. And then at age 19, I met my first mentor. Her name was Bonnie. And she was like a, she was a Wiccan. She dressed in all of the clothes. Like she dressed like a witch. And I thought she was crazy. I was like, who is this crazy lady? And she looked at me and she said, Cindy, you're a psychic medium. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then she became a very good friend of mine. Then we became really close friends. And she was much older than me. She was in her 60s. And um, she passed away in 2011. But she was the first person to ever like 
tell me what was going on. And it still took, you know, a couple of years for me to really wrap my head around it. And then I didn't look back. And um, I don't know if you know this, um, but I studied mostly in the UK, uh, my mediumship. I, from saw, I did see. Yeah. So I, it's like I learned so much uh, from the spiritualists and at the Arthur Finley College, and it holds a special place in my heart. So. And, you know, you saying that you come from a Catholic background, I'm Catholic myself, mm -hmm. and I know how, you know, they look at certain things, especially with um, where they're heavy into the church scenery as well. Mm -hmm. How did you manage to pass that then? Like, like with your family, anyone else in your family have the same ability as you? Or was it something that you had to sort of build with them to get them to accept what you were able to do? Yeah, I mean, look, it's like uh, the joke is even today when I go home for Christmas, uh, we don't really talk about what I do. Like, they're not like, hey, Cindy, how's work? <laughs> you know, just like mm -hmm. nobody really talks about it. Um, but my dad, I mean, look, my mom passed away in 2013. Uh, my dad has come to my events and he's, I consider my dad to be uh, like a recovering Catholic. I mean, he's 82. He went to Catholic school. I think it traumatized him. So he just kind of went the other direction. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, it was, it was something that I guess like, I don't know. I, I guess for anybody that is uh, a psychic medium, you know, that grows up in a religious family, it's really hard to talk about and it, because it's scary. You don't know what your family is going to think. And then you don't want, know what people are going to think. Right. So those of you who are, who are listening, who grew up in families where this type of thing was accepted and, and spoken about, you're so fortunate, you know. Um, but I would say like today, uh, I feel pretty good about all of it. Like my it's 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 all good. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. And then growing up, you know, how did you learn to, because I tell you, it could be quite overwhelming when you're dealing with spirits, especially if it's more than one or going into places. How did you learn to control what was going on and what you were feeling and how they were communicating with you? Yeah, I mean, that took training. That took studying mediumship and learning to navigate the energy because until I started taking classes, I couldn't control it. It was more spontaneous. I didn't understand what was happening. I was very sensitive. I had a lot of anxiety, um, you know, and it's really confusing for people that have this ability that don't understand what's happening and don't have anybody to talk to about it. It can feel like an emotional roller coaster. So once I started studying mediumship, I started to learn about uh, all the different ways that spirits communicate. I learned techniques to stay grounded. Uh, and I also believe this. I think um, the spirit world, you know, they will present themselves to us in a really dramatic way at the beginning because they want us to pay attention. But I think then once we start paying attention and they know, okay, you know, for example, oh, Cindy is finally understanding that this is what she can do. So we're not going to have to like be so aggressive or so in her face because she's paying attention. So I think like people have, a lot of people have these spontaneous experiences that scare them. And especially people that are mediums, they might have these big experiences a few times and then it wakes them up and then they start to get on board. Yeah, definitely. And not only that, your ability has gone a step further because you can do psychic drawings as well. Mm -hmm. You know, um, do you recall when you first had that, that, that first drawing that you did, what it was and who it was? Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, automatic writing started first. So I started okay. doing, yeah, I started doing automatic writing and, 
2007. Wow. I can't even believe it's that long ago already. Okay. So 2007. And for me, automatic writing was like just so easy. Uh, it, it was something that, that I think had, had been inside me for a long time waiting to come out. Uh, and it was so easy and so powerful for me that it actually really freaked me out. I was like, oh man, I'm finally losing my mind. It's happening, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then um, what was ha what happened was when I was doing automatic writing, I kept getting the message to pick up uh, um, paint and markers and to start drawing. And what happened was um, I, I really I just picked up the whatever you know artistic medium I was using. I would put it to the paper and just move my hand. Um, in similar fashion as to how I do automatic writing, and faces just started appearing. And the first painting that I ever did was of my spirit guide. Uh, and I've drawn him several times. So now when I start moving my hand and I'm like, oh, it's him. And that's how I knew I was drawing spirit guides. And I, you know, I've tried to, um, you know, work like sit with somebody and draw their loved one on the other side, but it's always spirit guide. So I've just kind of accepted that or, or, or old, like really ancient uh, people that have been in, uh, you know, locations for a long time. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. And do you ever sit back sometimes and think to yourself, why have I been given this, this skill, this ability to, to communicate? Like, cause you know, I know some people say everyone has the ability to do it and I'm quite different with that. I don't know if it is everyone and I'm on the thing that, is it because that was your purpose in life, thinking of the higher be, beings? But what's your thinking? Like, why do you think you were chosen to have this ability? Well, I, I think, and so I think everybody does have the ability to feel the presence of these energies. But I say this, not uh, everyone can play the piano. Not everybody is going to be a concert pianist. Not everybody is going to be professional. Some people might just have a really subtle experience uh, everybody's intuitive. Everybody has psychic ability. Everybody has a gut instinct. Uh, what, what I found is um, the language that we use to talk about this topic is really important because like most people say, at least in the United States, I don't know if this is something you say in the UK, but we say, oh, I should have trusted my gut. I should have trusted yeah. my gut, right? Yeah. And so what, what we're saying is I should have trusted my psychic ability. I should have trusted my intuition. It's just, we're saying it in a different way. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, this idea that like psychic mediums are <laughs> these magical oracles that, uh, I don't know, are so unique and special. I, I, I can't, I can't look at it that way. It just, because I feel like part of my job, even working in the public eye is to help people tap into their own abilities and to trust their own experiences. Um, I don't know. Chosen. It's such a hard word. It's like people have asked me that. Like, <laughs> you believe you were chosen? I'm like, oh, that, that sounds so like dramatic, like the chosen one. But when I think about like this ability, you know, and the fact that I have maybe a heightened ability, um, I'm, I'm more open. <sighs> Why is that? I, I, I honestly I, I, I don't I don't spend a lot of time on that. Um, no. I just have always felt like it's just the way that it was meant to be, that it's part of my path. And that's the space that I live because I, I don't believe in coincidences. And I look at all of the things that have happened in my life and how things have lined up so perfectly. Uh, yeah. And 
and not not you know it's been it's been a little bit messy at times you know the the, the path to, to here has been crazy but it's like i always just trust and i believe in god and and higher power and great spirit whatever you want to call it uh has a plan and i i guess i just sit in that space of like i'm here and this is what was meant to be this is part of the plan yeah and does your mood affect your ability so do you know like sometimes when you wake up and you've been a bit not really feeling it today you know it's one of those days that you want to quickly move back do you find that affects the way you're able to communicate with spirits like totally. do you have to find a way to look after yourself like health wise and you know do you, do you find it changes depending on what's going on within yourself i believe that 100 percent um but it might be a little bit different than than what you think so let me give you a couple of stories to to kind yeah. of explain okay so this was probably eight or nine years ago now. I was doing an event in California. I had an event set up. It was a big event. I mean, there was like over 300 people that bought tickets. And I was really sick. I had the flu, I had influenza and had a fever and I was coughing. And I was like, I can't cancel this event. I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do? And one of my teachers once said to me in the, from the Arthur Finley College, like, you can work when you're sick right? It's not an excuse. And so I, rem I remembered that. And I was like, Oh, I just like, I was like, I, I hope that they're right. Like, I'm just gonna have to trust, right? But you know, with the flu, sometimes you have this cough, and I had this cough that wouldn't go away. And so anyway, I got on stage. And I did my introduction where I talked about myself, I was still coughing. The second that I started tapping into the spirit world, I had no symptoms, zero symptoms. I did not even know I was sick. Everything went away. I worked for 90 minutes. When I stopped to do the Q&A, all of my symptoms came back. So it's wild because you're stepping outside of yourself, right? And then here's another example. Uh, I filmed the shock doc called M Michigan Hell House with Steve Shippey. Love that guy. Yeah. He's my pal. And we were filming in, in Michigan in the winter and it was brutal it was freezing cold it was like it was something like i think minus 10 fahrenheit like it was really cold and windy and i had to film this scene outside where i was psychometrizing the land and then tapping into the location and um i i was tapping in probably for 20 minutes or more and when i stopped all of a sudden i was like freezing. I was so cold that I was almost hypothermic. I was slurring my words, but I didn't feel the, I didn't feel the cold. And even the producers, they were like, how did you do that? Like, how did you stay out here so long? Right. So there's this space of like really stepping outside of the body or getting outside of ourselves when we're tapping into the spirit worlds that um, you don't feel, you don't feel things the same way. Now that's physically, but emotionally, is a little bit, it can be a little bit different where if I'm like really stressed out or anxious and I don't take a minute to like really get calm and centered, um, it can be harder for me to tap in. But again, I found like, you know, even in the days where I've been like really sad or like, for example, this is getting personal, but I literally found out I was my first marriage. I found out I was getting divorced 15 minutes before I got on stage. I was, I found out I was getting divorced and I got on stage and I connected just fine. So it, it's, if you really trust the, the spirit world and you trust that they're there and I do, like I fully trust that they're always there. 
uh, they'll show up. But we also have to, as mediums and psychics, like take care of our bodies. That's important. I mean, it is like you don't want to um, abuse your body and eat like crap all the time. And, you know, so I don't know. It's like it's a it's a balance, but you it's amazing what we can do uh, in that space. So do, do you think when, when you're feeling like that and you're unwell, this is your spirit guides that they're, they're protecting you and they're making that the illness go away for you to be able to do what you've got to do then? I don't think it's that. I mean, look, I can't say for certain. So I say to everybody, the more I learn, the less I know. Ask me in 10 years, I might have a different answer for you. But it yeah. feels more to me like... Um, you know, I'm able to shift my awareness outside of myself. So I'm not so attached to the body or the story of the body. Like, I'm sure if somebody held a flame to my hand, it would hurt. So it's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, it's like there are limitations there. But like, you know, the, the, even people that are have really, really strong meditation practices will tell you that they can like regulate their heart rate, they can regulate their body temperature, just being in that space of meditation. So the, the, yeah, it's like there's something to be said about being able to shift our, our awareness outside long enough. Uh, it's amazing. Humans are really powerful. Like we we're able to do a lot of things that I think a lot of us don't realize we can do. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, moving on, you, you've then gone into the world of TV, you know, mm -hmm spotlight on social media and things like that you know when you were first approached about that were you quite cautious into agreeing you know because it's a big thing you know and again the the positives are great but then you've always got to watch out for the negatives because you've got the people that could be quite hurtful with what they think and they're quite vocal so your approach into the tv scenery how, how did you go about that or yeah, how did it start for you yeah and then it's a great question you know um and especially I never, when we talk about paranormal TV, I never thought that I would be on paranormal TV for, or like doing paranormal investigations because I just like, I had done some in the past, but primarily I was working as a, an evidential medium, like doing uh, gallery events and teaching and stuff like that. And so what happened was I was approached by a production company uh, for Holzer Files. And when I got the call for Holzer Files, um, I was really actually excited because, you know, Hans Holzer really believed in in using mediums as, you know, tools during paranormal investigations. And what you find today, I mean, I think it's changed a little bit, but you find that some paranormal investigators don't like mediums at all. Like they don't want to work with mediums. And so I was always really kind of cautious to do paranormal stuff because I, I didn't think that paranormal investigators particularly cared to work with medium. So when this show came, came, you know, into my field, I was like, that's really cool. And like the fact that I got to go into these, these, uh, look to these locations and tap in and see if what I got matched up to what these mediums from 50 years ago got, mm. it's super fun. So that was my introduction. I think if it hadn't been Holzer Files uh, and, and the concept of, of Holzer Files, I don't know if I would have done it. And then once I, you know, really um, got got more, I guess, used to working paranormal investigations, then I really started having so much fun. And now I love it. It's like it's a really, really fun because you're a detective. You're trying to put the pieces of a puzzle together. And it's it's I enjoy it. Um, and And again, you know, what is your approach when you go into these investigations or even when you're doing your gallery readings, you know, 
is there a preparation that you you do before because it could be quite overwhelming like going in especially with a a room full of people wanting messages from their loved ones and mm-hmm. you know things like that is there something that you do before you start an investigation or a gallery reading that you do every time not really i mean the reason i say not every time and i'm not attached to a ritual is because mm. i've traveled for so many years and there have been times where I don't have time to do a ritual. I just have to get on stage and start working. And because of that, I've just developed this really deep trust with the spirit world. Like, okay, better not let me down because here we are, you know? Uh, Having said that, I also know that when I take 10 minutes, 15 minutes to sit and get grounded and do some deep breathing and kind of expand out my aura, it's a lot easier (laughs) going on stage, right? but I, I I don't get too attached to any one particular like ritual because psychologically for me, uh, if I go to that space, then if I can't do that ritual before an event, I might think that I can't work. And that's not the case. Mm. Oh, no, that's fair, that's fair enough. Um, and, you know, you've done quite a few TV shows now, like Dead Files, most recent, Hostile Files. Um, one of the... Um, one of our audience were asked a question. Um, I don't know if you want to answer it, but who is your oh. favorite person to work alongside? Oh, you've worked awesome. with some really great people as well, yeah, haven't you? So. And they're all so different. So it's like, I can't say like, I necessarily like one more than the other because they're all so different. Um, I mean, like I love working with Steve Shippey because he just, he's like super, just such a solid, nice guy, right? Really like knows his equipment. He has a ton of equipment. Um, and then Dave Schrader and Shane, like the, so sweet. Like Dave is just like a, an amazing uh, orator, like really knowledgeable. No, like he's like a walking encyclopedia of the paranormal. So I learned so much from him. Um, and then Steve yeah. Deshavi from Dead Files. I mean, we don't work together in the investigation. We're separate, but I mean, that guy has it really has a big heart. He's so compassionate. Like he's like my big brother. So he's it, they're all just so different. And uh, and Jack, I love working with Jack Osborne. He's my pal. I've known him for I don't know how many years now. Like. 2014 or 15 I met Jack and we're just like really good friends so it's just it's I love all the people I work with it's been really fun to uh to be able to do investigations with different paranormal investigators and people who are are honestly like more knowledgeable in the paranormal space than I am I mean I know have a lot of knowledge about mediumship and that the connection there but I learned so much from the people that I work with well, and that's that's what's lovely about it. you're you're working with different people that have different skills you know mm-hmm. and it's it's great but do, do you find um with, with equipment you know because i don't know how to say it, like you're a, you're a piece of equipment yourself because you use your own right. body you use your own you know so do you, do you avoid using equipment or do you try and use your ability to match what you're picking up with certain pieces of equipment for example yeah, great question. So um, I remember in in one of the shows, uh, uh, well, it was Katie, Katie from Ghost of Devil's Perch. He's like, Cindy, I want you to carry around, and I love Katie, I love him so much, but he's like, I want you to carry around this ghost box. And I was like, Katie, I'm a human ghost box. I don't want to carry <laughs> around the ghost box. Like, I'm a human ghost box. Um, because what can happen is technology, I love the equipment. It's really, really fun. And I love using it sometimes. Um, 
but it can be distracting for me if there's too much going on with the gear. But I've had some pretty crazy experiences with, uh, you know, having a piece of equipment next to me or somewhere else in the room and then uh, me tapping in and getting intelligent responses from the equipment. That's really, really fun. And I think that there's, um, you know, there's a place for that, like a really important yes. place. Yeah. But then moving over to, you know, we're, we're talking about how open you are, how connected you are to the spirit side, you know, and, you know, one of the things that is very common to see is people talking about the the darker side of the paranormal. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about things of potential demons or things that were not human. Mm -hmm. um, firstly, do you believe there is things like demons that can come through? And how do you avoid connecting with them or how do you avoid them? You know, because like you said, you're quite open. Yeah. So you've got to protect yourself in some way. So, you know, what's your thoughts about the demon side of things and everything like that? Yeah, no, I believe in inhuman energies that can be scary and harmful. Uh, you know, demon has such a uh, it's 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 really dogmatic. Right. So I use the word demon because people understand what that is, but it's, it's very dogmatic. So I'd rather say inhuman dark energy. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Because, but I do believe that, that those things exist, that those entities exist. Uh, I don't even like talking about it that much because I hate calling it in. I'm like, don't, <laughs> I don't want to call it in. Right. But, um, but no, I do believe it exists and it's, but it's rare to encounter it in my experience. I can count on one hand, the number of times that I've encountered those energies and I don't like it. It's not my area of expertise. And when I encounter it, I know I can feel it. I'm like, okay, this is something demonic. Uh, and it's not my, my area of expertise. I'm going to call somebody who, whose area of expertise it is a demonologist. Like that's yeah. why they're there. Right. It's like, so I, I, when I teach mediumship, I tell my students, I'm like, you don't have to be good at everything. You don't have to know how to solve everything. That's why there are specialists in certain areas, like, and know when to call a specialist in because I, I don't want to be a specialist in that area. It's just like, no, thanks, you know? Um, so, but, but no, I do believe that those things exist. And, you know, it took me a while to really, um, to really get to that place because I think the thought of it scared me. So I just kind of was like, no, no, I don't know if I believe in that. And then what happened was I started traveling, um, traveling a lot to different countries and exploring mediumship, uh, like in different cultures and religions. And when I was on a journey in Indonesia, uh, I really saw like, some things that I was like, okay, I can't, I can't unsee that. Like that actually happened. And I started to really, you know, sit with that and, and recognize it. And, um, you know, Michael Salerno, he's a demonologist who, uh, he was on, um, the Dan, no scream, the true story. It was another shock talk that I did with Steve Shippey. And he said, uh, and I, and I'm not going to maybe quote this hundred percent correctly, but he said the, the, the one thing that the devil did, uh, the smartest thing the devil did was make us believe that he doesn't exist. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, I don't know, something to think about, but not dwell on. I don't dwell on it. And I also want to say this, and this is maybe going a little bit off on a tangent, but, um, you know, in general, human beings, um, we're really taught uh, 
by society to not look at these like shadow aspects of ourselves, right? Like everything has to have a balance. There's light, there's dark. We live in a realm of duality and we're largely taught to avoid the shadow. We don't look at it. That's not real. And by doing that, by not even acknowledging that that exists inside of us, we all have that aspect inside of us. Mm. Um, it actually is doing us a disservice because you, the more you stuff something away, the, the, you know, the, the, the more power it can have. And a lot of people, um, in running from those parts of themselves, because they're so afraid to look at these parts of themselves, um, right. They can't see it around them. They can't even, so if you can't see that side of yourself, how can you see it elsewhere? If that makes sense. Yeah. No, no, no. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Hey, Jonathan, um, there is a question that has been asked by Harmony of Hearts, um, and they've asked, um, Cindy, what are your thoughts on some of the TV shows that potentially are faking stuff, or like, mm-hmm. and have you been approached to, maybe not fake, but um, what's the word, over-exaggerate a, a scene? Like, mm-hmm. do, do you have a say in what you agree to do? Like, will you push back if it's not Oh, I I've pushed back before. And just so you all know, I'm the worst actress you've ever met. Like for <laughs> real, I suck so bad at acting. It's actually embarrassing, but no there. And I, I can't really, I'm, I can't really say, say a lot. Right. I just, and I don't like to comment on other people's shows because um, I'm not there. I wasn't there. Like I, I, no, I don't know. And I stay out of the drama in the paranormal field. I know there's a lot of it, but I like am very separate from the drama to be honest with you. And that's for a reason. Um, but there have been, uh, uh some things that have happened where, um, I, I have like, you know, said, no, this, I, I'm not going to do this. This doesn't feel an, an integrity for me, or it's not how I work. And I just, don't do it. And then, you know, there has to be a different way. Um, and that it was one occasion and it, that was it really where I had to just say, Nope, not doing that. But I will say that like, after I did that, um, there wasn't, the opportunity was gone. And then the scene just continued on naturally. So I, I'm very, uh, I don't, I, I can't fake things. I'm really bad at, at acting and I don't want to, it's not in my being like, that's not how I work. It feels bad. And it's against everything that I believe, uh, as a medium. And, And again, as well, the amount of work that you've put into harnessing your ability and understanding, you know, last thing you want to do is anything like that. Um, it's but thanks for the it's like no, it's, it's it's in people and like this here's the thing like people watching paranormal tv you can see it you can sense it if something doesn't feel authentic you and somebody's overacting you can totally see it you know no no definitely um and and for yourself like you're doing gallery readings you're doing the tv shows where how do you switch off Cindy for, you know, to just be Cindy Kayser, not psychic medium, not TV personality? You know, what kind of things do you do to separate yourself from that spirit world? I'm actually kind of boring on my my day to day. I don't know. I mean, look, I I am. Um... I don't say boring is the wrong word. I'm not boring, but I'm an introvert. And I think people don't know that. Like they might think because I'm on TV and I'm in the public eye that I am always like out doing things or talking to people. But I love uh, I love being by myself. Um, I love uh, doing like hot yoga. I love uh, do creating art. Um, but, you know, I don't stay connected to the spirit world all the time like that. It's re- actually really unhealthy, in my opinion. Um, because 
we're in this dimension. We're here for a reason. This is, this is, we came into this dimension to live, to grow. This is school. And what can happen is when people become really like, um, excited to connect to the spirit world. And I'm speaking from experience. So when I first really decided to like dive into this work, uh, I, I spent a lot of time in spirit and I became very ungrounded. And I realized that that's not like the best way to be. And that the, the your mediumship will be better the more grounded that you are. So the, the more grounded that you are, the further out you can expand. And, and the messages to me, in my opinion, uh, are clearer. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Um, I've got another question for you from the audience, probably not paranormal have asked. Um, Cindy, are the dead files hard to work? Those cases yes. don't really see most of the time. Woo. I mean, I have to seriously, after filming a season of dead files, I really give so much credit to Amy Allen and I like Amy Allen. I give her so much credit anyway, because she's an amazing medium, but I don't know how she filmed 15 seasons of that show because it truly as an intuitive, as a medium is, uh, it was a really, really intense show to make. The cases were so dark and uh, like, like there was no reprieve, like every case, like one after the other was like this, like super dark. So it, it was exhausting. I admittedly, like it was an exhausting show to to make. And, and with that said, you know, do you have to teach yourself to be quite resilient to some, because some of the, you know, some of the things that you watch on TV and some of the cases that come out, you, you're, you're dealing with children that have, and had their lives ended in a, a traumatic way, you know, and then you get the waves of their emotion. How, how do you deal with their emotions? Like, do you have to become quite resilient and be not hard faced, but sort of like saying, I'm not going to let this affect me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not easy to do that all the time. And I think what I've learned is that um, as a medium, the best way to really be is to, to operate from the place of uh, like being an, an objective observer. So it's like, if you can look at something as like, okay, I'm watching the scene play out. Yes, this is what happened. I can see all sides of it, but I'm not in the scene. It's not me. It's not happening to me. Right. Yeah. Um, but it still gets emotional. It's not, it's not that simple, but it's like, is an easier way to to approach some of the really hard stuff. And and the other thing that I that I teach my students um, is that you know the more we as mediums heal ourselves, the better our mediumship will become. Because if we are bothered by somebody in the living or triggered by somebody in the living, we're going to be triggered by that same type of person on the other side. And and from that space, we can't really show up in a neutral way to get the message out the way the family needs to hear it because we're too triggered and in, in the story. Yeah. So the journey of mediumship for me has been um, very much a journey of like personal growth, uh, which is invaluable. It's it, I, I, more so uh, than even connecting to spirits. Like all of the changes I've had to make with inside myself have, have, the mediumship the the my career as a medium has has brought me to those places where i've had to work through stuff it's amazing Brilliant. and there was another question as well um how do you become a medium yeah so you know is there a way that you can actually become a medium or do you need to have the experience to be able to further become a medium 
Yeah. Well, okay. So it's like when, when I say I've studied mediumship or I teach mediumship, I don't mean like come to a class and I'm going to make you a medium like that. That's <laughs> not what I mean. Right. Yeah. Most of the people that sign up for classes have had some sort of an experience or they've been super intuitive or something's happened and they questioned it. Um, some of them are really haven't, and they're just curious. Um, but again, it's like, I think everyone can play the piano. Not everybody's going to be a concert pianist. A lot of people will find that they're actually more psychic than they are mediumistic. And, and psychics pick up on past, present, and future. Mediums communicate with spirits, right? Uh, and all mediums are psychic. Not all psychics have the same level of mediumistic ability. And not all mediums are, are great, great psychics, right? So it's like, um, until you understand how these energies present themselves to us, it, it it's hard to know what's happening um, because it's a lot more subtle than what you think. And that's where people, I think, are missing the signs and symbols because they assume yeah. from what we see on like, you know, move in, in movies and on TV that in order to have an experience, there has to be a full body apparition standing next to us, or we have to hear something externally, or it has to be this big thing. Um, that's not how it works 99% of the time. It's way more subtle. Brilliant. Um, and, you know, with, with, with everything that you're doing, um, you know, is there a particular like location, like with the investigation side of it, that's been your favorite to date that you've done? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a hard question. Oh, I have to think about that. My favorite location. Uh, again, I don't know. It's so hard. I mean, because they're all so different. So, I mean, the scariest, I'll tell you the scariest investigation that I, I've been on, and some of you may have heard me talk about this, was was the Danny Rowling investigation. So it was from the Shock Doc Scream the True Story that I did with, and you can watch it on Discovery Plus or Max. I think it's still on there. Um, but it was scary for me because uh, I was dealing with a serial killer who I had to tap into his mind, his memories, his abuse, the abuse he experienced as a child, um, and really, you know, feel into his psychology. And it was really disturbing, right? And so those types of cases for me are my least favorite because it's it's really hard to like. Uh, like unsee that right when you're especially that's why I don't work with the police I'm like no thanks I don't need to visualize people getting murdered all the time and try to solve it like that's not like that does not sound fun right um but there are people who are really really good at that so I think that I think that case really um it wasn't my favorite case but it was it taught me a lot about about working those sorts of cases uh and to be in that i have to be mindful of where i put my energy uh you know um and another i mean there were some great ones on holzer files it's like i have to like really think back um oh the one where oh, what the heck was the name of that place it was a it was a museum in new york city Oh, it'll come to me. But anyway, it was the it was the episode where um, this yeah this might be my favorite one of my favorite cases. So there was there was uh, uh, the spirit of a woman who was a servant, an Irish servant that was uh, in the house because um, she'd been mistreated, and I felt that that she had a baby that was taken away from her and. The, the two doors, so if you watch this episode, there are these two giant doors that slam in the, in the night. They slam at the same exact time. I mean, it's like 
you can't, I, I don't even know how you could even fake that because the doors are so heavy. They're nowhere near one another. Just watch it. It's like, it's crazy. <laughs> we were trying to like figure out how did this happen to somebody? Did the producers like, you know, did they set something up? And we we're just like, no, like this actually happened. So yeah, I can't remember the name of the episode, but I'll find it, find it before the end, but hold your files. No, no, definitely. Um, and Hustler Files are on is on Discovery Plus. It's and so yeah, can, I don't know what you guys have in the UK. Do you have Max yet, or do you have? No, no, we got Discovery Plus. Yeah, Discovery. That's Plus. where we've been. That's where we've been watching a lot of our stuff is on Discovery yeah. Plus. Um, um, yeah. On there, um, and you know, you know, we're, we're we're talking about you know the abilities of being a medium, and you know, and again, we we refer back to you were quite young when you had your first experience, you know. When a lot of parents, we talk about children about having a imaginary friend. Going through what you've gone through, do you think this is more than just something that a child's thinking in their head? Or do you think it's something like they've got the ability, but they're closed down because of, you know, the way we look at it. Like we want to protect our kids and no. think that's not real, move away and then forget about it. No, absolutely. And children are so open. They're so open. And people always ask me, like, you know, why are kids so open? And I, I you know, I can't say anything for certain. But, mm. you know, the idea that I have is children are so present, right? They're not jaded. They're not thinking about all the bills they have to pay or what happened yesterday. They're in um, this really beautiful space of like imagination and curiosity and presence and like, it's like the same space that we, I think, can connect to the spirit world, you know, not that we're imagining the spirit world because things are being validated, but it's this space of being open enough to receive the information and not judge it and push it away. And so kids are in that space. They just are, you know. And so a lot of these kids that are like, oh, my imaginary friend, I'm like, hmm, maybe they're a medium. Maybe they're seeing a spirit. I would say they probably are a lot of the time, you know, like, Yeah. And and what would you what would your advice be to to the parents? Like if they if they're concerned, what advice would you give, knowing what you know now and the you know the experience that you've developed yourself? What what if someone were if I was a parent saying this is my son and he's experienced, what advice can you give me to help him? You know, I would say this like create an open dialogue with your kids, let them talk about it and don't make them feel weird. Ask them questions, be curious. Say, oh really, what did your imaginary friend say to you? Like, what do you guys talk about? What does your friend look like? Like have a conversation, don't make them feel crazy. Uh, you know, th the one thing I have to say ethically is like, it's a very different scenario if you have a child or a young adult saying, oh, I'm seeing the spirit who's telling me to hurt myself or hurt other people. I mean, that's, you know, uh, that's different. That's a, and, and that's why I always say, ask your, your kid, like, well, what is the spirit saying? How are they mm -hmm. approaching you? Uh, because I had, um, I had an experience once where a young woman, I, I don't know exactly how old she was. I think she was around 13 or 14, maybe 14. And she, she said, what, what do I do? I keep hearing these voices and, and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, what are the voices telling you? Or, you know, she said, well, they're telling me to hurt myself and hurt other people. And, you know, this happens. People struggle with, with mental illness or schizoaffective disorders. And like, instead of shaming her or making her feel bad or making her feel afraid, you know, you just talk to her, you talk to the parent, you say, well, there's another way. Maybe we need to, you know, you need to go talk to somebody and it's okay.
you know, but it's like, I think that people are so afraid that if they share their experiences that they're going to be deemed as like insane or crazy that they just don't talk about it. And and that is a huge issue in general. Like uh, luckily today, I feel like people are more open to talking about mental health. Um, And if if we can create a safe space for people to talk about it, then then I think that will be, it's amazing, no? Yeah, I definitely agree. When you're speaking about the mental health side of thing, it is okay not to be okay. And it is okay exactly. to, you know, and and this is something that, you know, I have another show um, that I do with a good friend called Big Rob, and we're all about the mental health. And we do say to people, if you're feeling rubbish, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's what we do to try and find a way through it all. That's what we need to work on. So I like the that reply. Um, going back to the audience quickly. So my teammate, Nikki, Great lady. Um, she's asked, how did you find the investigation of Robert the Doll? Yeah, it was so interesting because when I got the call to do that show, it was funny. Like the executive from the network was like, hey, we're filming this uh, shock doc about this doll. Like you don't have to do it, and but it's a it's a cursed doll. Do you, you know, and I was like, I'll do it. Let's do it. Let's let's check it out. And and there were moments where I mean, I'm literally talking to a doll. I'm like, is this like, am I actually talking to a doll? This this feels crazy. But and knock on wood, sorry, Robert the doll. Like, you know, it was <laughs> don't curse me, you know. Um, but but you know, it was really, really interesting case, and so many people uh have had experiences in the presence of this doll. Like when you have all these people having these experiences, I, I, it's hard to say that they're all making it up, right? Um, and what I uh, discovered, and this was my take on it, right? Is it's not that the doll, there's not like a spirit inside of the doll. That's not what I felt. Uh, I felt like, you know, certain objects can uh, act as either portals or they can hold really strong psychic imprints and can attract energies in. So I, I felt more that um, more, it was more like that. It was almost like the doll was kind of a portal, but I I didn't, you know, but it, it was, it was fascinating. And to, to look into the history of the previous owner of the doll and the things that were happening in the house, it was, uh, it was a fun case. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and on that, when we're talking about um, attachments and things like that, um, probably not paranormal, we've asked another question of, are there places or entities that are too dangerous for you to interact with? Sure. I mean, look, when I see something demonic, I'm like, no, thanks. I mean, I have to kind of get there to see it first and then decide I really don't want to do this. This is not my area of expertise, right? Um that that's like for me a no-go i mean any time that i that i've had that experience um so dead files there was one episode where we encountered uh i encountered something uh that i believe to be demonic um and you know then shortly after we we left the the investigation um but so i didn't go in and try to clear it up like that was i'm like no thanks um but there was a case that again was steve shippy where we brought in a demonologist but i felt a little bit better having a demonologist there because i didn't have to do do that part of the job <laughs> and i felt a little bit safer right um so i think that it's hard for me to to say what i won't do until i'm in it right it's like mm. Because everybody has their own experience. You can hear one thing from a medium, but you might go in and have a different experience. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm game until I'm not game. No, no, I like that. That's yeah. right. you, you, you need to test the waters before you make a decision of what's yeah. 
going to happen. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, again, with the paranormal field, a lot of people talk about attachments and, you know, they've gone somewhere, they've, they've done an investigation, they've got an attachment. Have you been part of helping someone get rid of an attachment or what, what is a way that you would help someone get rid of if they believe they have something attached attachment. to them? Mm. So I think awareness is key. N recognizing that you have an attachment is the first part. And it's hard to always know if you have an attachment, right? It's like it, people don't always know. I've had attachments and I that I haven't known about. That's the reality of okay. it. Um, until like this, I go to an energy healer. Um, I guess, is that the right word? I mean, kind of. She's like, she's an amazing. I call her Becca Magical Wizard. That's how she saved my phone. <laughs> 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 it's like, <laughs> To be honest with you, I don't know what she is, but I'll tell you, like, every time I have a session with her, like, I walk away like, how the heck did she do that? And she gets in there and just clears things out of your field, like, and and takes you on a visual journey. Like, you actually can see what's going on. It's, it's a wild experience. So I will say this, like, uh, if I'm looking at somebody and I sense that there's energy attached to them, usually I will refer them to somebody who can clear it off that specializes in energy clearing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And, you know, it's absolutely great. You know, the fact that you're using other people to help, you know, especially if you're not sure on something, that you're coming together to find a solution. Yeah. Look, know, I think that's really good. It's a relief that you don't have to be good at everything. It's like, thank God. I mean, I know what I'm good at. There are things I'm not great at. And it's like, I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. Oh, brilliant. And then going into um, 2004, one thing that we know here, um, you're actually going to be in the UK um, yes, in September. Excited. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be part of the Festival of the Unexplained. Yes. Which is, is awesome. Originally, it was you, but it's actually turned out it's going to be the three you, Shane Pittman, and Dave Schrader, which yes. is going to be great. Um, have you, um, you know, what, what are you looking forward to when, you know, taking part with the Festival of the Unexplained? I mean, I'm looking forward to all of it, meeting people, meeting all the fans from the UK. Uh, I haven't been on uh, to a paranormal conference in the UK yet, so I'm really excited. I'm doing a gallery event too, so um, I'm just excited to, to, to be there, to see everyone, meet new people. I think it's going to be awesome. And, and also, I think I'm going to be, I'm pretty sure, 99.999% sure in the UK also in April. I don't have the exact date yet, but it's like Ooh. the third week of April doing uh, some gallery events. So stay tuned. I will be posting information about that soon, but that's April of 2024. And all of uh, um, Cindy's links are in the description. So definitely head over because especially with Facebook, you put a lot of stuff that you're doing on your Facebook yeah. page. So if you want to check that out. Um, so yes, yeah, so that'd be great in April that you're going to be coming down as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, doing you know, coming to England and, you know, going to different, do you find the responses are different with everything that you do? Like, do you find that maybe the UK are more open to, to your mediumship, to what the Americans are? Do you find that there's a difference with the way people approach you? You know, I don't know, I guess, Honestly, I, I don't I can't answer that fully because I haven't spent enough time in the UK doing events. Um, 
like I, you know, I've studied in the UK at the Arthur Finley College, which is different because you're like in school. It, you know, it's not that it's not like going out and working with people that are coming to see you as fans, right? So I don't know, but I will say this: uh, UK fans are awesome. Like I, I on social media, t tons of support from people in the UK. So I, that's why I'm excited to be there and, and see, you know. But I think like. I found that in, in most people or a lot of people, okay, I can't say like most people, I'm going to say that are intrigued by mediumship. They might not understand it. They might be skeptical, but they're intrigued. Right. And I do a lot of live events in the U S and oddly I do them at comedy clubs. People are very confused. They think I'm a comedian. They're like, what, why is she doing these events at comedy clubs? Uh, I'm just using the venue. I'm not telling jokes. I'm just using the venue. <laughs> okay. So, um, but, but the, the reason I'm talking about it is like, because I work in these environments, um, People that are a little bit more like, I don't know about this. They're, they're coming because they can sit, they can have a drink, they can have some food. It's in a comedy club. So when they tell people they're going to the comedy club, they don't think it's weird. You know, they think they're going to see a comedian. And I have like 80% of an audience sometimes that have, they've never seen a medium. So I'm like reaching this demographic of people that are like curious that have never seen a medium, which is terrifying sometimes because you don't know what you're going to get, but it's like an amazing opportunity. But the point is, um, I work all over the U.S. and in states where people would call it the Bible Belt. It, like they would think that nobody would come see me because it's the Bible Belt and these clubs are full. So I think um, I, I don't like to judge a book by its cover or assume that I won't be well received somewhere just because somebody told me so. Uh, because mm -hmm. I think that people would love to have an opportunity, a lot of people to to explore the area a little this this field a little bit more uh and learn more about it but i think um it's scary for some people you know and how do you pass that though like you're saying just now you're going doing these gallery readings where you get people that turn up that have never been to a psychic medium before you know and sometimes when you're scared you get quite close like you you close yourself off don't you so do, do you find it quite hard to read those people get the no. messages I mean, no, no, what happens. This is what happens a lot of the time. So when I have an audience and this just happened in Florida, it was like the, the, it literally 80% of the audience had never seen a medium before. And I, when I saw that, I was like, oh man, this is going to be tough because people don't know what to expect. Then they get shell shocked. Then they don't want to claim their people. Right. And then finally they do, but it's like, people like don't know what to expect and you have to teach them. So like in events like that, you actually have to teach people what's happening too. Um, and what I found was like people all, everybody claimed their people. It just took longer. Cause they were like, Oh shit. It's excuse my language. It's me. Oh no. Right. You know, like, and so it's, it's, but I, I love what I do, you know? And I think like, um, it's important to, to, open this work up to a different demographic graphic and be open to sharing this with people that maybe are, are totally skeptical, you know? And, you know, one other question about the ability, do you ever think to yourself that this is something that is for a certain period of time? And then one day, do you ever think like, what am I going to do one day where it's just gone? Do you think that can happen where it just stops and, you know, you don't have that ability anymore? I hope not. You know, I mean, look, I'm like, uh, how do I say this? Uh, I mean, I'm a God fearing woman. I'm like, oh gosh, I like really am mindful of like 
trying so hard to check my ego, check myself, like what space am I operating from? Like, what are my intentions? Like to not let even TV or people's opinions of me either way get in too much, like too good yeah. or too bad to trying to stay neutral. Um, because I, I think that um, when, when it starts becoming e egoic, that's when things fall apart. They can fall apart. Uh, I don't want a spirit smackdown. You know, I don't want a beat down <laughs> from the spirit. Yeah. I'm like, please don't give me a beat down. I'm so like, I really, and, and I'll say though, I guess if, if everything did go away, then there would be a reason for it. And I would have to accept that, you know, like that would be what it is, but I hope not, you know, I love what no. I do. So do, would you say, do you check in with your spirit guides sometimes just to, All are you time. able to, like, if you say that you're just sat there, you've got five minutes to yourself and you just want to maybe reassure yourself with things, like, do, are you able just to speak to your spirit guide and they can pass on a message to you then so that you know you're doing great, everything's absolutely fine? I do. Yeah. So I connect to my spirit guides a lot, but I do it through automatic writing so I can have a okay. record of it and then I save it. And I'll tell you why is because I have been, I've been doing this with automatic writing, talking to my guides for a long time since I started doing automatic writing. So back in 2007, 2008, and I refer back to some of the writing sometimes because I can't remember everything that comes through. And what I found is that my timing can be like, like there's no time and space on the other side. It's not linear. So my spirit guides will give me information. And then I found that it's, it's coming true six years later, you know? And I'm like, so, so it's like anybody who's connecting into the guides, it's amazing. And they do give me reassurance and a lot of things that they tell me, even if I don't want to hear it, uh, a lot of times it does, a lot of the time it does come true. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But I will also say spirit guides won't tell you everything that you want to know because that defeats the purpose of being in this dimension because we're here to learn. So they might give you bits and pieces of things or give it to you in a way that feels cryptic, but it's for your best interest. Because sometimes if you know everything too soon, it's not in your best interest. So uh, I trust that process too, you know, uh, and try to like really just kind of be present and in trust. And, and when you refer to your automatic writing and and even with your um, your pictures that you do, your psychic pictures, you, you as yourself, are, are you aware of what you're doing or do you like sort of black out and- Oh, thank God, no. They, they get you to do what they want you to do and then you sort of come back into the room and like, you've got to sit there and read and understand what's happened. That is not how it works, thank God. I mean, look, I knock on wood, I'm not a trans medium like that. Like I don't like black out and not remember what happens. It's more of, uh, and, and technically, you know, everything is a form of trance. It just might be a really light form of trance. But if you really look at what's happening, you're, everything is a, a form of trance. It's just how deep you're going as a medium. Um, but no, I don't consider myself to be uh, that kind of a trans medium or physical trans, trans healing. Uh, there, there's a lot of levels. But um, yeah. what I would say, it's like um, I'm able to get out of my own way enough to let it come in, but I'm also able to stop it. And I'm happy about that. I feel comfortable in that space. Mm -hmm. uh, I think maybe... Uh, I used to judge myself about that. I'm like, well, why can't I go that deep in trance? And I was like, I, you know, I used to judge myself for being too controlling, but I think like that's okay because it makes me feel safe. Um, 
I don't know how I'd feel if I just like blacked out in a trance and was like talking in a foreign language. That sounds terrifying. So yeah, it's you know, it's it's, it's, it's got to be quite scary for something like that because you know you've said everyone's sort of seen that sort of thing happen. And mm -hmm. when you're talking about automatic writing, you're writing something for someone else in a way, and it's just trying to work out. You know, is Cindy still there, or is it the person that's there doing the writing? And and then Cindy comes back into the room a little bit. But you're, you're aware of every you're aware of everything that is yep. is happening. Um, and what what kind of thing do you find that there's a common pattern with the automatic writing that they they all have a similar message, or is it really dependent on you know, circumstances with them and yeah. what they've been through. It's dependent on the circumstances and also where I am, right? So like uh, what I think is happening a lot of the time is my guides are like acting as intermediaries in automatic writing, which doesn't happen when I'm tapping in the other way, just using clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, right? So when I do automatic writing in paranormal investigations, most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, it's like my guides are telling me what happened at a location and telling me about the spirits that are there. Sometimes it's coming in like first person, right? So I think that that's a way for me to feel like a little bit more protected because I'll tell you, automatic writing is in opening myself up like that is vulnerable because I don't hear the information first and then write it down. I put the pen to the paper and I start moving my hand and it just comes out. So I don't know what's going to come out. Oh, wow. And there are times in investigations, there's one episode of Holzer Files where I couldn't write. I was like, what is going on? This has never happened to me before. I, I literally can't. It won't work. And I had the in, intuition. Oh, I'm not supposed to be doing this right now. It's not in my best interest. And I left that room that I was in. I went to another room in the house and it worked. So it was like my guides were like showing me, no, you're not going to do automatic writing here. It's not safe for you. And then that's how I learned that lesson. So it's, yeah. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, I've hit the hour mark and, you know, there's so many more questions I want no, to well, answer a couple more if you want yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, you know, with what you're doing, do you have a goal set? Like, is there something that you haven't done yet that you do want to do? Yes. Thank you for asking. So uh, my dream, my dream show, my uh, bucket list television show that I'm developing. I don't know. I, I always say I'm developing it and it will either get get on air or I will die trying. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> that's how I feel about this project. It, it's uh, me, you know, really exploring different cultures and different religions and how they connect to the spirit world and and yeah. how they view the afterlife and um because you know i i by traveling to different countries i realized how much i just didn't know uh, how little i actually knew about the world about people and and also what i learned was that um and i really do believe this i truly believe this that the way that we experience the spirit world is is largely dependent on our belief systems, on how we've been socialized. So if you grow up in a Catholic family, your experience connecting the spirits will be angels, will be demons, will be saints, will be so on and so forth. Yeah. What happens if you're in a religion or, or you're born into re religion with a very different kind of belief system? 
So mediums in those cultures and religions have a different experience and what they, they experience spirit world, but they're going to call it something different. Maybe it has a different meaning. And, and so I use this example, um, to explain, you know, what I'm talking about. So I spent a lot of time in Indonesia and Southeast Asia, and I was working with a, a medium and this medium was of a different uh, religious belief or had a different view of the spirit world. And I was sensing uh, this spirit who had crossed over. I'm talking about the spirit, getting information, this other medium getting the same information, but this other medium doesn't believe it's a human soul. It's a gin. It's not a human soul. This is a gin. I'm saying, no, it's a human soul. And then I asked, well, how are we getting the same information if you don't believe that it's a human soul? What, what's happening? And yeah. to, to look into those spaces and how we can get similar information, but it's being filtered through a different lens. And, and in that space, nobody is right or wrong. It just is. And I think like, I don't know, I, I think it's interesting. And to look at all of the different uh, ways that people send off their loved ones to the other side. And, and it's, I don't know. So, yeah. Uh um, it sounds great. And, you know, again, in the comments there, you've been told, bring it to YouTube, Cindy. Yeah, that sounds great. I might, do that. I might do that. Yeah. But, but coming up with the idea of a TV show, is it quite difficult to put it in front of a, a <laughs> producer, a director? You know, what are the kind of things, like, what do you need to provide them to make them consider that this could be yeah. good to put on TV? It's it's really challenging. It's really, really, I'm just being honest. It's like TV, it is not for the faint of heart. It is like a really just challenging industry, right? It's 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 fickle. It's like, it's all of the things. But anyway, um, you know, uh, what I do now, what I, what, well, actually what I've done from the beginning, to be honest with you, the, the way that I even got into Hollywood. So people, a lot of people don't, don't know this, um, but in 2012, I, I had the idea of like, I want to be the Anthony Bourdain of mediumship and like see different cultures. And I filmed my own sizzle reel and I pitched it to a production company who signed me. And then we went to, to pitch meetings and I, I got a pilot, uh, with lifetime television. Now we filmed this high budget pilot, uh, it never went to series, right? But what happened was that like got my name out in Hollywood, but it still took, so that happened in 2013. It took five years for me to get Holzer Files. So wow. I had to wait and wait and wait, but um, th that's part of it. But so anyway, um, and even in the interim of me um, waiting to get Holzer Files, I was still traveling and collecting my own footage and I'm still traveling and collecting my own footage. And um, and look, it's like seems insane because uh, what, what a lot of you probably don't know is t reality TV does not pay <laughs> really well. So, so I mean, People I'm, think it does, though, don't they? People well, think. Yeah, no, they have no idea. We're all working two <laughs> jobs like that's we're, none of us are making a lot of money. Maybe people that have been on TV for 20 years, but like all of us have other jobs, all of us. And so um, so, you know, I've been reinvesting my money into this this project and. I think if you really, if you really want to follow your your bliss and follow your heart, um, you have to just be willing to take risks and put yourself out there. Um, I prefer to go to a network or a production company with m more materials of my own because in that space, you can ask. Yeah. 
for creative credit, a cre creator credit, an executive producer credit. Um, it's your concept, right? And that feels good. And even if you don't get signed, and even if they don't want your show, you still have your concept, which thank God now you can put on YouTube or you can put on another streamer. So there's a, there are a lot more options today for people. Uh, you don't have to rely on network television, which I think, look, look at the destination fear kids. Like they're crushing, yeah. they're crushing it. And they're, they're really, you know, um, so I don't know. It's like TV is changing. Streamers are changing. It, it's a different landscape. It's a challenging landscape. But if you want to make a project, then go for it. And you have a lot of options. You have a lot of options today. It's, it's like we always say to, like what I say to my kids, never give up. You face one hurdle. You know, you just got to keep going. And eventually, you, it's you'll, so true. You, you'll get there. You'll get there. As, as hard as it is, you will get there eventually. I mean, it's actually become funny because I've been told no for this project for 10 years. And now I'm just like, well, here's another no. You just keep trying. But I have not given up. And so I refuse to give up. Right. And it's like that. That's the space of just like if you really believe in something, you know. Yeah. I think I think if you're persistent and, and you know it's something that you can do well, then it should be something that you never give up. And eventually we're, we're going to see that and we're going to see that on tv hopefully, <laughs> I hope so. uh, which would be great um you know it's been absolutely great getting to know just a, a snippet of what you've done and you know how you've done things and again i thank you for taking part tonight um but just before i do let you go um can people reach out to you if they want readings like do you do online readings like for us over here in the uk you know can you give people a bit of a shout where they can find your stuff and how they can reach you yeah, so I'm not doing private readings right now because I'm so busy with travel and all of the other things, but um, all of my events and all the things are posted to my website. It's cindykeza.com or mediumcindykeza.com. They're both there. Uh, you can get there both ways. Um, so, yep. And then I'm going to start commissioning spirit guide art uh, eventually. So that will be like, instead of doing like one-on-one -on -one readings, like usual readings, normal readings. Uh, I think what I'm going to be doing is commissioning spirit guide art and then doing readings uh, through the art. So stay tuned. Wow. It's uh, 2024, I think. And then uh, Facebook, um, you can find me on Facebook. Please make sure it's my actual Facebook account. There are a bunch of jerks out there impersonating me. It's in the link. It's in the description. Oh, uh, Cindy's oh. actual Facebook account oh, is so in, in the description. It's the most oh. important thing. And uh, Instagram, I have a, the blue check. So in Twitter, I have the blue check. So you can find me there. It's just Facebook is the, the final frontier. Um, but yeah, so you can find me in all those places. And I, I really appreciate you having me. This has been really fun. So thanks. for yeah, Thank you. And also just to mention again, as Cindy said, look out for posts for April because Cindy will be hitting the yeah. UK in April. Yeah. And then in September, she will be part of the Festival of the Unexplained which I believe there could be tickets left. So if you do want to go and meet Cindy and every other guest as well, that is going to be there. It's going to be awesome. Um, head over to the festival, the unexplained.co.uk and get your tickets booked. But um, for now, I just want to say thank you, Cindy, again, for taking part. Have a lovely Christmas and a good new year. Thank you. And you too. Hopefully, hopefully we can catch up with you in the new year and see what's been going on and, you know, Lovely. do a part two with you. Let's do it. So, I'll come back anytime. Thank you. I appreciate it. Lovely. But thank you so much, Cindy. I'll let you get on and thank I'll you. speak to you soon. Take okay. care. Take care, everyone. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. What an absolutely brilliant way to
um, end our, our vodcast. You know, um, what a lovely, lovely um, lady to take time out and, you know, just give us a snippet of everything that she's done. Um, as always, I just want to thank everyone in the chat for always supporting um, the vodcast. It means a lot when you guys tune in, get involved and have a good time. Um, you know, like I said, this is the last one of 2023. Um, we will be back in the new year doing some more shows, uh, guests and, you know, doing things slightly different. Um, but for now, I just want to thank you all for joining in tonight. Um, have a great Christmas and New Year. Um, if you do um, want to check in on Harmony of Hearts, the um, the podcast over there, uh, there will be some lives over the Christmas period that people can come and join in, have a bit of a laugh and have some fun. Um, but for now, I'm going to say my goodbyes. Again, thank you to all of you for being part of 2023. It's been absolutely awesome. And you know, I really do hope that we get to see you guys in the new year as well. But for now, have a great Christmas, great new year, stay safe, and we'll see you in 2024. Bye.